Thanks so much for choosing our podcast. Before you start this episode, this is Kellen Erskine from the future. If you're listening to the book pile for the first time, I highly recommend starting on a later episode after we hit our stride. Some of my all-time favorites are when we cover the books The Hunger Games, 1984, and The Roasts of the Da Vinci Code, or any of the Twilight Roasts. If you're here because you already like the podcast and want to binge from the beginning, then thanks again. New episodes every Monday. Hey everyone, close your eyes, even if you're driving. Imagine that you know a lot about blood. Now open your eyes. This is a podcast about blood. Today's book is Nine Pints by Rose George. I'm Kellen Erskine. I'm a comedian, a father, and I can't stand the sight of blood. So luckily, we're just going to be talking about it. (laughs) And I'm David Vance. I have a much less common phobia of the sound of blood. Nine Pines is a book about blood and the role it plays in medicine, the economy, and daily life. And if that makes you excited, I wouldn't want you around my kids. And this is the book pile. Here are our favorite lessons from Nine Pints. Number one, there is a global economy for blood, which is also the motto of Deutsche Bank. I want to start with a quote from the book that blew my mind. She says, Human and animal blood is the 13th most traded commodity in the world, worth $252 billion. Oh, well, what's so, the animal? Why animal blood? Where's, where, like, is that what you get in the hospital if you don't have insurance? <laughs> we can have Medicare for all, but it's just blood from a horse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, you're welcome that it's so that that was so affordable. And don't be surprised <laughs> if you really crave hay for the next week or so. <laughs> this sounds like an attack ad after Obamacare launched. <laughs> so just to put $252 billion in context, it's like if every American was like, you know what? I'm in a party mood. It's the holidays. I'm going to spend $800 on blood. I've earned this. And one of the things she talks about is that blood markets, they really aren't new. So the reason we used to call it a blood bank is that it was run like a literal bank where it was kind of a one in one out system. So if you wanted to withdraw blood for yourself, one of your friends or family had to donate their blood to the bank as a deposit. I can't stand needles or the sight of blood, any of that. But this book inspired me to donate blood for the first time in my life. Wow. And she doesn't even ask you for it. The, but the book is just so so rich with, with detail, the majesty and wonder of blood, how much we've learned about it, how little we still understand. Something that really stuck out to me was in the first chapter, she says that a liver transplant patient can receive up to a hundred pints of blood over the course of operation and recovery. And she says a hundred pints or several bodies full. And I was like, no, I think I get what you're saying. But then she also says, but an infant can be saved with a teaspoonful. Wow. 96 teaspoons fit in a pint, just so for that comparison. So this is one of the reasons why I donated blood, just seeing the impact that it could make. And I remember that day feeling so good about myself after I had done it. The the same day, like that evening, a friend of mine let me know that she had graduated from law school. And I was like, that's cool. Today I saved a hundred (laughs) babies. Don't you think you'd be disappointed to find out that your blood saved one adult rather than 96 babies? Yeah, and I'd want to know who it was. 
This is the most beautifully written nonfiction book I've ever read, and I've read three. Like, she treats <laughs> the subject of blood with a sort of, like, a reverence and a wonder. Speaking of the blood donation system, one time I went to donate blood, and they asked if I did drugs, and I said no. But I did get pricked by a needle that had just been in a diseased goat. And they're like, oh, when did this happen? And I was like, this morning. Because <laughs> at the time, my family was raising goats, and one of them was sick, and I had to give it an antibiotic injection. And after I pulled the needle out, it moved, and I pricked myself. And I was like, I wonder if this disqualifies me from donating blood. They ended up saying I couldn't give blood, not because of the goat thing, but because I'd just been in a yellow fever zone. <laughs> you guys raised goats, so I'm assuming you were um, you grew up in Manhattan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know me. So kind of on that topic of blood markets, when blood becomes economically valuable, there are these really terrifying things that have happened historically. There was a man in India who got caught keeping what they call blood slaves. So he had these people locked up and he would bleed them twice a week and then sell their blood. Oh my word. And some of them had been there for like a couple years. Wouldn't that be funny though if like law enforcement cracked down on it and they, they go they rush John into his basement where everyone is giving the blood and the guy's like, No, 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 it's not what you think. It's it's inception. <laughs> like don't here, you try. <laughs> Don't wake them. They're they're creating cities in their minds. Like <laughs> their dreams are so much better than reality. As he's like <laughs> hiding his briefcases of money. Another thing about that story, the guy who was keeping them was also a dairy farmer. So I'm surprised PETA hasn't made an ad where they're like, it's the same thing. <laughs> I do sometimes wonder if PETA is run by animals. And that's why they A... <laughs> care so much about animals and B are so out of touch with what people will find persuasive. <laughs> All right. Lesson two, leeches are medically useful, just not in the way that they were used for the last 500 years. So this chapter is fascinating. Like, is there anything else that was actually medically useful that people use now that they just misused for half a millennium? Like, like imagine Band-Aids existed, but people only thought that swallowing them helped cure the plague. <laughs> From about the, the 15th century up until the 19th century, uh, there was this theory that most of your illnesses came from having too much of a certain fluid in your body, that the body was comprised... And we won't say which one. <laughs> ...of five different humors or fluids, and that releasing one of those would then cure you of those uh, illnesses. First, they used sharp instruments, which is why barbers were also called barber surgeons, because because they oh, were yeah. somehow they were approved by society to administer the bloodletting just because they were guys who worked with knives. They could have also gone with cooks, but I guess like chef <laughs> surgeon has less of a ring to it. <laughs> and isn't there like symbolism of the barbers being bloodletters in the barber pole where the white represents bandages and the red represents blood and then the cap at the top represents the bowl in which they would collect the blood? And the whole bar itself represents the stick that people would bite down onto. Gosh. Yeah. You still see that like in the front of supercuts. 
<laughs> How great would it be, though, to go into a Supercuts and be like, if you could take a little off the top. And uh, also, I think I'm coming down with a cold. <laughs> so after a century or so, they found that leeches ended up being a, a real good life hack for bloodletting. Especially uh, for leeches. It was a lot... <laughs> It was a lot safer. What do you bet that the doctor who first pitched... The doctor who first pitched Lisa... Let me try that again. What do you bet that the doctor who first pitched Lisa... Oh my gosh. You're going to include every one of these takes, aren't you? (laughs) I imagine you have like 30 leeches on your neck just for the podcast. (laughs) And right about now is when you're fading. (laughs) At this point, do I even try to finish the joke? Okay, I can do this. What do you bet that the doctor who first pitched leeches as a life-saving device was just a swarm of leeches in like a lab coat disguised as a human doctor? (laughs) Like a mustache and glasses? Yes, we can cure every... Uh, (coughs) Leeches! (laughs) They used leeches because they were... It was safer in the sense that there was less chance of an infection, but it was still dangerous because they were draining people of their blood. There are a ton Mm -hmm. of really interesting, fun leech facts. We'll get to at the end of the podcast, we have a a lightning round of fun blood facts that's going to be My favorite is that some leeches have nine pairs of testicles, (laughs) which honestly made me respect them more. I mean... I've played shortstop. It seems like it'd be a real disadvantage. <laughs> a real liability. If you were a leech that was into sports. So I do like that when humans evolved to be bipedal, all of our vulnerabilities just became really exposed to everything. <laughs> like our, our soft underbelly, the testes of males. There's a reason why every other um, bipedal animal, they don't choose to do it very often. <laughs> sure. Like bears, gorillas, they can, but it's more it's just like maybe we should, maybe we would be safer if the only time we stood up was when we really needed to reach something. <laughs> so the fascinating thing about leeches is how they were just misused for centuries because they actually do have an incredible uh, medical benefit, primarily for parts of of bodies that are being sewn back onto a person, like an ear or fingers. You guys probably know what body parts are, but I'm just throwing those in <laughs> as as, a, as examples. But when the, for our premium listeners, we have a section where we just list body parts. <laughs> <laughs> just reattaching an ear, there are thousands of microvascular connections that need to be matched up. Um, they describe it as like a, like a torn tapestry. They can't do everything. They eventually can kind of figure themselves out. Even if there are some loose ends, those will, will bleed into the skin for a while. But if you can evacuate that blood, then the things that need to coagulate and stop will, and the, the, the skin can heal properly. But I think the problem generally arises when you connect an artery to a vein, because I think at that micro level, it's really hard to tell which is which. And so in, before leeches- I, mean, I know I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't in comedian school. <laughs> so be before I leeches told you anytime not to you tell did that, anyone about that. Before leeches anytime you had one of those disconnects or an artery connected to a vein, the blood would just start to pool there 
and it could often kill the ear or kill the reattached body part. So what's neat about leeches is they they take blood from the capillaries. They provide their own anesthetic, and it's actually the the anesthetic and anticoagulants in leeches have yet to be bested by science. So if you can put fresh, hungry leeches on a healing reattached ear, it improves its chances of of not being rejected because of the, now, the properties that they have. Now I'm picturing a human doctor dressed as a leech doctor asking other leeches for the secret of the anticoagulant. <laughs> So the point of all this is that the next time someone calls you a leech, you can thank them. (laughs) Say thank you. That means I'm medically useful. And then just bite down hard on their ear. (laughs) All right. Number three, your blood type says something about you, but less than some people think. So first, let's start with the things your blood type actually says about you. So a study found if you have A type or AB type, you have a much higher risk of erectile dysfunction. Oh, uh, Kellen, remind me what your blood type was. C. Is that true, though? Oh, yeah, it's true. Oh, well. No, it's not. Um, (laughs) All right. So then on the flip side, I have O type blood, uh, which is the universal donor. And if you have O type, you're actually more susceptible to cholera to the point where in the Ganges Delta, where there's always been a ton of cholera, they have the lowest rate of O-type blood in the world, uh, presumably just because O-type blood people have been dying off. So those are the things that your blood type actually says about you. But then there's what some people think your blood type says about you. So for instance, the Nazis decided that A-type blood was Aryan and B was inferior. And on top of that, not only did they have these like arbitrary distinctions, Nazis wouldn't even take blood donations from non-Aryans, even if it meant dying on the table from blood loss. In Japan, a lot of people think that your blood type says something about your personality, which I guess blood type is like the Myers-Briggs for Axis powers. (laughs) So I looked up the personality attributes of Kellen's blood type and mine. So here's Kellen's. It says... A positive, always puts others first, meticulous, has a strong social life, pursues perfection. Now here's mine. O negative, very jealous, warm and kind, (laughs) hot-blooded, thrives under stress, cute and energetic, seems genuine, but skilled at lying, selfish, (laughs) laughs a lot, and tends to feel lonely. All right, random facts. Our favorite miscellaneous blood facts. We get so much blood to our brain that when we are decapitated, there's enough blood for us to stay conscious for up to seven seconds. (laughs) Which don't you like to think you would try to bite your executioner? (laughs) All right. A leech is not a slug, a reptile, or an insect. It's part of a zoological category that includes segmented bristle worms. So (laughs) you don't have to be scared anymore. (laughs) Doesn't that feel like it's from a children's poem? The segmented bristle worm is missing from the zoo. <laughs> it bent the bars the barest bit and squiggled glimly through. <laughs> it sounds like an Eric Carl novel. The very contemptuous segmented bristle worm. <laughs> the Lancet, one of the best medical journals in the world, is named after the tool that doctors used for bloodletting, which I think is so funny. They took this thing that their profession should be most ashamed of and they just leaned into it really hard. <laughs> It feels like if a boating magazine were named the Titanic. (laughs) Okay, this next one. All of your blood is made in the bone marrow. 
which to me is like the funnest, like spooky Halloween fact that your bones make your blood. It makes me want to know what makes the bones. (laughs) It's a real, real chicken and egg situation. (laughs) Um, The biggest leech is 18 inches and has a four inch proboscis. This is really turning me off of leeches. (laughs) Every three seconds, somewhere in the world, someone receives blood from someone else. And I can also say after my experience that three seconds after donating blood, you also get orange juice and nutter butters from a stranger. (laughs) Nature is beautiful, isn't it? (laughs) A couple years ago, I was performing on a luxury cruise. Which means... You get to touch the performers. Instead of a ship of 10,000 total people, you're on a ship with like 1,500 and there's nothing to do. (laughs) That's a luxury ship. Though all of them will have really nice library and like old rich people doing puzzles. And I'm like, that's what you're spending $25,000 a pop on. (laughs) So it's my first time doing it. I'm nervous. They have this beautiful theater, 500 people, but it's very, it's it's ornate. They have this sort of soft orchestral music playing in the background. People are taking their seats. Five minutes before the show is supposed to start, some poor old, old man fell over when he was trying to walk down the, the final step. I mean, this guy wanted, he wanted front row seats. Gosh. It didn't seem to be that serious other than he had, he had fallen over and they, we were waiting for medical attention. But either way- Did you roast him? <laughs> like, what could I possibly say? There's no way that I could get up there and be like, oh, I'm really killing tonight, huh? <laughs> Just high-fiving people in the front row. I told the cruise ship director, who's the guy who always who hosts every event, I, I was like, we have to postpone this show. It's not going to go well. Nobody wants a comedy show right now. So they came in, they carried him off in a stretcher, and they still won't want to go through with the show. This guy, he had no, like, there was no backup plan. If I were the host and I needed to cancel, I would have been like, uh, that was our comic. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not just like, the show must go on. It was more like he had no idea what to do other than to just do what was next on the schedule. He's this this older British gentleman, and this is no exaggeration. <laughs> he said, uh, we apologize. The gentleman who fell down earlier, uh, it was a bit of a hiccup. There was uh, quite a bit of blood, but he's going to be okay. (laughs) He is being taken care of. And now, for your enjoyment, Kellen Erskine. (laughs) Quite a bit of blood. All right, to wrap up, here are our favorite lessons from Nine Pints. One, there is a global economy in blood, which sounds like a Green Day lyric. Two, leeches are useful, just not in the way they were used for 500 years. Three, your blood type says something about you, but less than some people think. And four, the cheapest way to get a package of Fig Newtons and a Sprite is to give your blood to someone else. (laughs) 